0: Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. So, as I've said before, I'm an author. I'm your host. I try to be as much as I can and be as entertaining as I can for you. So today's episode, I'm speaking with Diane C. Braley. Very fun to have this conversation. I enjoy talking with her and I think you're going to enjoy listening to her. So, we're going to get into that very quickly. I'd just like to touch a few things real quick. I'd like to remind you. As always, go to authorblurb.com. You can find all the different notes, different articles, the profiles, the shows, where you can find them if you don't want to listen to them on the website. I try to provide as much as I can. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Hopefully, you're telling other people about the show so that they can enjoy it as well. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and hopefully, and you know, I always have a lot of hopes, you. Most of all, find that author that you really do enjoy. So in today's conversation, Diana and I go through and discuss her book, the fact of how she had to put a lot of herself into it. Well, she didn't have to. She chose to. And from the reviews and from listening to her, it sounds like doing so made the book a world of, uh, well, it made it a worldly interesting and intriguing book to read. So... Listen to the conversation. Enjoy it. Enjoy the show. Tell people. And, you know, if you don't want to tell people, you can always rate, review, and most of all, subscribe so you don't miss any of the other episodes. Remember, we have other ones that you might have missed or you can listen to again. So, thank you. Enjoy the show. And let me know what you think when you get a chance. So, I'm here with Diane C. Braley. She's an author of The Science... The silence in the sounds and forgive me if i messed it up but i think that's what we discussed it was and what you have on there yeah now it's always easier and for anybody listening to the show or watching it is going to be well aware i prefer to let the author talk about themselves and their books first and then we can go into the conversation do you mind if you start off with it and give everyone a bit of insight into yourself
1: sure um
0: and thanks for having me just wanted to say that Um, I appreciate you being here too by the way
1: (laughs) I'm really excited and so I'm Diane C. Braley I am a registered nurse um, first and foremost that that lives a bit north of Boston my debut novel is The Silence and the Sound it's a coming-of-age women's fiction novel um, about a young nurse that leaves her life and her family's dysfunction on the mainland behind and heads to Martha's Vineyard Island, um, but sometimes escaping the past isn't always as easy as it appears. And this book has been a—it's inspired by actual events. I was a, a nurse on the island for a famous Pulitzer Prize-winning author. I'm sure you've—well, I hope many of you heard of him, William Styron, who arguably um, his best-known book was *Sophie's Choice*, although he's had many. Um, and Also, the premise of the book is largely, although there's all different things, uh, you've Martha's Vineyard, A Beautiful Setting, Toxic Love, Addiction, Friendship, Celebrity, but the premise really is about the devastating effects of growing up in addiction. Um, I'm not sure that I set out for that to be the premise, but that is the premise, and I did grow up in an alcoholic home so there you go all
0: right so let's start off with that is so i've known a few people that have grown up in a alcoholic home where it's not just the families having a beer here and there but kind of heavy drinking all this and i see how some just try to avoid talking with it about it because it's not a real cheery topic for most people what Drove you to actually sit there and say, "Okay, well, this is something I need to discuss. I need to get out, or I need to have as a element in my book."
1: Well, interestingly enough, I I I I know many authors have heard this saying before. I I hadn't, except my William Siren, who actually became my mentor, mm-hmm. uh, motiv- motivator, and mentor. I think unbeknownst to him, but um, he, I told him a little bit here and there that I you know, that I used to write as a child and that I sometimes do. And, and you know, it was very hard for me to say that to some, you know, a genius author. And I, in conversation, I happened to say it and almost instantly regretted it. But, um, he said to me, write about what, you know, after I told him I was writing a story about a Virginia horse farm. And he asked me if I knew anything about Virginia or horse farms, had I ever visited Virginia? And I said, no. <laughs> so, I that always stuck with me and is sitting there one day I I kind of I I started writing and I this book I I had this story inside me for a very long time and a lot of it was too painful to write it was there's a lot of grief that I had gone through and it, it it took me a while but when I started writing I didn't realize The journey I was going down when I started writing about Georgette, the protagonist, and her relationship with her father, I was really only going to touch on the addiction piece of that with them. But I somehow could really channel my feelings of how I felt at that age, being a a young teenager, and a a child with an alcoholic father in a home with addiction. So I just kept writing and writing and writing. (laughs) And I... I didn't stop, so i it was um it was very cathartic. It was very difficult. Um, but and I actually had a lot of anger at one point because it was you know, right about what you know. And I'm like, well, this is what I know, addiction. <laughs> right. and, and I do know it. i I don't know that I want to know it, but I know it extremely well. and i'm 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 so happy that I was able to channel this into a book and it, if it can help anyone. Um, but again I I don't know that I sought out to do that.
0: Okay so let's let's start with this as the next question if you don't mind but when I open your book so I open your book I'm on page one where am I starting off with what am I getting into from the moment I start reading your book? Oh
1: Um, so you're heading back my book is um, alternating timelines and again that was that I didn't I had to change. I had to to do a whole revision because I I knew that it needed to be this way after I was done with (laughs) a linear. Of of course, because that's how it goes. But you're starting out with Georgette returning to the island, her beloved island, that is her whole heart that she left and never planned on leaving. She's heading back for something that she never expected. And she doesn't want to. She has all these feelings. She's broken she's tired she's exhausted uh and it it even says my chapter has journal entries my chapters have journal entries and it starts it says uh, i'm exhausted from goodbyes and she's heading back and just uh never for the reason that she ever expected and just everything has just changed
0: all right so we're stepping into her going back and all this so give a bit of insight so you have the alcoholic element, the addiction element in your story. This is set in Martha's Vineyard. And it sounds like there's also like not the nicest side of the community, I guess. Because most people, when they think of Martha's Vineyard, they're thinking the mansions, the high end, the expensive places. I mean, it is well known for that. But I mm-hmm. also, like any community, there's also the the other people that are living in the normal houses and what so have you, what kind of community you're setting in Martha's Vineyard is this taking place in?
1: I am so glad you, you brought that up. Um, I just woke up this morning to a, a beautiful message from an islander, and you only get that title if you were born there, okay. um, which my son was. And it's, to me, it's very special. So she said... And I have heard this before. Um, I actually had a New York Times bestselling author who's on the island say the same thing that I did a good, wonderful job capturing the the real working people of the island that is really the heart and soul of the island, the belly of the island. um i again, i didn't I didn't set out to do that. i I wanted to make sure I did that well. And anything I wrote about the island, i I was extremely. Critical of myself, I wanted to really capture the island in the best way that I could from my, from my point of view and the point of view of Georgette, who is a working person on the island, a nurse in that working class blue collar mm-hmm. field. And I've I'm told that I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this person that sent me this message this morning also said she she cringes every time she sees a book about Martha's Vineyard because you think it's going to be this you know, again, mansions, this elite family or this, you know, beautiful, rich woman or et cetera, et cetera. Right. And again, going back to Mr. Sirens what he said, right about what you know and I don't know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I at least, you know, at the time that I was writing of my experience there, I um, was a was and still am I a nurse, a working class person, surrounded by those people, struggling with the difficulties of finding housing, the expensive rents, the all of those things, trying to stay in a place that I love. The second I stepped on the sand there, I just fell in love with it and knew I was going to live there one day. But it can be extremely challenging for people there. It's the housing is really expensive. They're they're trying to do something about it now, and it's it's. I just hope it's not too late. It's really hard for the working people there, and that's what keeps the island going. It's a There's a
0: massive working-class community. Okay, so let's ask this about Georgette then. What ages is she in in the story? Because you said it has a linear element, but it also has regressions back into her past and thoughts and things like that. What age groups does she go through in The linear and in the regression periods
1: so at the time at the she at the time she's on the island working for a famous author mr s living her falling in love having her friendships all of this she's in her late 20s she's a she's a young adult she's um in her late 20s and then she regresses back to childhood and a lot of teenage years there's a lot of reflection with that um and sometimes i want to say i think sometimes we give i mean some people in their later 20s are so together (laughs) (laughs) and some aren't i think and i don't know that in i had someone say to me you know i just couldn't believe georgette's this nurse and she just seems to have it all together and she's a professional but she's also just such this she's kind of a Bit of a disaster, <laughs> and I'm like, well, at that uh, at that age, I think a lot of people can relate right. to that, and you know, not all, and even sometimes even older, <laughs> but yeah,
0: um,
1: that's that's where she was at is at
0: was at. All right, so what actually got you into writing? Because and like I've mentioned on several of episodes ah excuse me episodes and the fact of other things that I've talked with other authors about usually most people they start writing a book and they get a fraction through it they get to a certain point and they just quit they writing a book sounds fun it everyone loves it but it's also a huge task to do to get through a full novel what did mm-hmm. you find that was your reasoning behind writing it and what also was the driver to have you keep writing uh.
1: I, I started writing as I grew up in, I mean, we're going real back
0: here. (laughs) I don't know how bad, I
1: I don't want you to regret asking me the question. (laughs) Um, I grew up in a a bit of a tough city north of Boston. And uh, to me, the arts and writing and things of that nature weren't really nourished. It was really, you know, terms like, you got to put food on the table and job stability, things like that were right. common. And so writing was just sort of a hobby that I, I so enjoyed. And I started writing when I had a I was given a journal when I was young and I started journaling. And to me, that was why I, I, I saw my I always joke. I saw a Brady Bunch episode with Marsha Brady writing her diary about Desi Arnaz Jr., some some hmm. 70s crusher showing my age here (laughs) and I started writing you know dear diary blah 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 and to me that was it was boring it wasn't it wasn't giving me the outlet that I needed and ever being inspired by music and it was the 80s at the time so the music was just so good (laughs) (laughs) I started writing lyrically um, because I you know my point in writing was I wanted to get my feelings out I wanted I wanted to to get all this out on the page of my feelings of the world and my life and my in my own head. I I actually just wanted to get what was, you know, my I wanted to scream the thoughts in my head onto the page. So I started writing and then I'd start writing little stories and all of that. But, you know, that got pushed to the wayside as I got older. And my mom, who is just amazing, is a nurse. And I thinking of job stability and food on the table, I, I. You know, I went and became a nurse. Not an easy task at all. Oh no, Hor- horribly difficult um, the schooling, and I, the idea of helping people and doing that for career really just warmed me, and I, I, I thought it was great, and it's been a very good career to me. And and, and how funny has, is it that nursing led me to, back, you know, full circle as I become the nurse for this famous author and. It becomes so inspired by him and his books about, you know, if you know Styron's work at all, it's all all his books are about the darkness of himself or of the world. So I realized that I could, I became just so inspired to, I could take my own darkness and 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 put it into something. And it and seeing in 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 their home with all these creators and influencers, and it just ignited something in me. I was like, I think I, I'm gonna. I'm going to do this. I'm, and it, you know, it, I think we all as writers say that I'm going to do this. But right. I and I had to kind of go through a lot of, as I said before, some pain and grief and all of that before I could actually sit down and do this. But it's always been there. And then I'm an incredibly disciplined person. It's uh, it's I, I wanted to go in the military when I was young. Arnold Schwarzenegger was massively inspiring to me. <laughs> the gym, um, I'm not whether you agree with his politics or not, I'm not talking about him. <laughs>
0: just just an FYI. Oh, um, in but the 80s just, and 90s, he was a fantastic actor and all this. Yeah.
1: Well, anything he ever did. I was a, a kid, not to, to go another way, but like I was a kid, I had a little bit of struggles with weight um, and I started going to the gym, didn't know what I was doing. And I picked up his book, his bodybuilding book, and I started reading about his life and all of that. And just this immigrant comes over to this country, can't speak the language and dominates the bodybuilding world. Mm-hmm. Domin- to, then says he wants to be a movie star, becomes the biggest movie star of all time, wants to be the governor of California. Whatever he sets his mind to, he does. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, being 18, 19 and reading about him, it, it was so inspiring and it changed me. And I started becoming, I'm not going to compare myself to him, but in my <laughs> own version, <Right. laughs> I became ex- incredibly disciplined and I, I, I took notes for years. My sister would remind me, you took notes for years and had notebooks and, and I, I, you forget these things sometimes and right. and then one day I set a date and I said, this is the date and I'm I'm starting and I'm not stopping and I got up every morning between four and five well, at least five days a week mm-hmm. and I wrote didn't matter what and I wrote for about a little over two years and then I had my first draft. <laughs>
0: Trust me, I understand. I have, I have a four-year-old now, and it oh. took me... I wrote my first book before he was born, the second book finishing up just as he was born, and the third one took me close to about two to three years to write. So Yeah. Little you know, kids,
1: it's going to take a little... My son was smaller, too. It's going to take a, lo- a little
0: bit longer. Yeah, <laughs> and now I have a daughter that's under a year, so writing oh. comes like during launcher, early in the morning oh, yeah. while they're asleep so I understand that challenge well enough I well mean, your
1: life <laughs> their life I got up that early because if you ask my husband my husband and son's life and my stepdaughter they their life didn't change right <laughs> I my life changed <laughs> I got up early in that way I was done writing by the time I could he he got up for school and had his Stuff all prepared. No, they, I don't even think they knew when I wrote this book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's why I get up early, too, is to do that. So I know it's a helpful tool, and sometimes it helps to write whenever you can. So yeah. with that, what what are the challenges or obstacles does Georgette tend to find or what are some of the other characters in the book that brings the story out? So Georgette is obviously the
1: protagonist, and Mm -hmm. then really, and it's funny when other people read your book, sometimes you're told from other people more of what your book is about than what you think. Right. (laughs) Um, It's really, there's both three relationships going on in her life that are pivotal, the three male relationships that are this at this time in her life that um and and that different in the time as i said the different timeline so it's her relationship with her father she's trying to kind of figure that out and doesn't really oh isn't really aware of the effects of his disease of alcoholism and on her um, i think she thought running away from it all is the cure and that's sadly not the case and her she falls in love with a mysterious man, um contractor carpenter man named Doc, and his disappearing acts keep her wanting more. He feels very familiar to her, <laughs> and lots of things she should see, but maybe she doesn't. She's so blinded by his just love for him, and they fall crazy in love and at the same time, she is caring for mr. s the Kind of melancholy, a bit grumpy, well-known author at the end of his life, and he's coming to terms with the end of his life. As kind of Georgette trying to figure out where her life is going, and he really is in the in the chaos that ensues. He really is her very subtle man of few words, but grounding force. He's the predictability in her life. She's not. She's not close to her family. She's alone on an island she's going through all kinds of thoughts feelings in love but doesn't this love is taking her on a path she doesn't know that she wants to go on or should go on but can't not go on (laughs) and mr s is just through it all the presence the solid presence there the quiet calm in the storm so if that makes sense
0: yeah so mr s is kind of the father figure The mentor, the guiding light kind of person is what it's. I
1: wouldn't say he's a father figure. He's he's a figure. He's just you know in in he's going through his own you know he's his own come as I said coming to terms with the end of his life. But he's growing up with um, Georgette and as I'm familiar with a father Mm -hmm. that who one can love dearly but who suffers from addiction. You don't have this presence that is needed you don't have this the solid safety this predictability sometimes you just never know what you're walking into so just even to have that this her job and caring for him this steadfast everyday job and caring for this man and them together more than she's ever been with anybody (laughs) you know seven days a week just constantly and they almost are seemingly codependent on each other and she needs him and he needs her and she i'm not even sure she realizes it but he's there and a presence a male presence that i don't know that she's ever she's ever had in any in any way that's predictable and safe
0: okay so when you wrote it who did you actually did you have an audience in mind a set of people in mind that you were writing for or did you just kind of push it out and see what came out I think I, I mean, I definitely
1: pushed it out and saw what came out, but as it took shape, I 100% started seeing that this book could really help people. As I started getting feedback from beta readers, and, I, and I, I saw that I have an ability, and I do have an ability because I have sought help. My mother had us in Children of Alcoholics when we were young. I have been in Al-Anon, I have been in therapy, I have been in everything <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and I was able though at a very young age thankfully and, and sometimes I think it's all about the age my father passed away when I was 18 um, him and I had a bit of a, a tumultuous relationship and it was I told it like it like it was I got tough real young real fast and I didn't put up with anything and that was you know that was my way of dealing with it it was you know obviously toughness is usually masking some other things. But
0: right. um,
1: I, I was able, though, to see him as a human. And, and you'll see that in the book. There's a point. I, I, I saw him, luckily, before he passed and through some help, I was able to see him as not just my father because I think so many of us even even at God, as, we, as we're adults, sometimes we just think our parents are just our parents. They're not people. My mom is my mom, my dad is my dad, and they exist for me. Right. <laughs> and you have these little glimmers of like they've had their own past. They've had their own problems. They come from families that, you know, all these things. And I don't, you know, especially when you're young, I'm not sure you see that. And I was able to see my father as not just, an addict, not just an alcoholic, and he was a low-bottom alcoholic. Um, I saw him as a man that struggled so much, wanted to be different, that was caring, that helped people, that really was kind. Uh, um, you know, all these things. But you know, would I would I want to be married to someone like that? Would I want to? Did I want to live with him? Oh, no, <laughs> no. You know, but I I could see him as a human being. And so many people who have read this book have told me. Even if their parents aren't addicts, um, I think we all, not all, but a lot of us have some, sometimes some issues with our parents in some way, shape, or form. And, and a lot of people have said to me that they could see you know, empathy and they could see their parents as human and, and start looking at things a bit differently. So I, I did see that the, that would come out of the book a little bit. And I, I because I think addicts sometimes, I'm sorry, I'm really, oh, you're um, addicts are portrayed often in books and movies and things like that as just addicts like it's they're just an addict they're it's bad it's you know it there's you know not everyone's we're not just one dimensional people you know there, there's all kinds of dimensions and depths to people and you know you don't have to put up with it and you don't have to it doesn't you know you can detach with love but there is a human being there and i think it's really important to recognize that
0: yeah, and I agree with that. And I mean, you do tend to see most addicts in books being strictly the villains, or you're not really getting to see the good side or the opposite side of them because you see the bad things that they tend to do more than anything else. And in truth, that's how a lot of people see addicts in the real life as well, I believe, because I know as I say it, I have that same view of. When you see somebody that's on drugs or and you don't personally know them, you first thing you're thinking is, what are they going to do? What do I need to worry about? You don't think, what suffers are they going through? What can we do to help them? So I understand that. I mean, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things to even get over that mindset. And I don't see it coming anytime soon, but in time it might. But it's still good to see... Some people, in the light of, hey, I'm a good person. I just need to get through this challenge, or I have this issue. And it sounds like you address that very openly and very forthcoming in your book. Um, so,
1: and I, I, I um, in my experience as being a nurse too, I've, I just see so many different paths to addiction uh-huh. that aren't necessarily, necessarily what one person thinks a lot of people have come into addiction that didn't you know seek out drugs some you know some were had surgery some were prescribed by a doctor were following instructions things like that and that's happened more and more and I I definitely just want to say my as much as I think I you know that is such an important piece of my book showing the humanness in and people who are suffering from addiction my main premise my main goal my main my heart is for the children of addiction i addicts get a lot of funding and a lot of awareness not enough by any means but to me the children are just the unheard voices and they're the they're have they have such more of a likelihood to be addicts themselves or people's people of dysfunction mm-hmm. and that we you know it's it's such a taboo subject we don't talk about it it's shameful and they think it's them all these problems and if they just there just needs to be so much more education for these kids. And that is the that is my number one goal in this book. I've partnered with the Robert F. Kennedy Community Alliance organization in Boston and their division that helps kids affected by addiction. And they do a ton of great work. And to me that is that is where my heart is.
0: All right. And that makes sense too because like you said, you went through it and having that understanding of it as a child of it. So not if it sounds too personal, you can tell me you don't want to talk about it, but what what is, as a child of addiction, and like you said, it is easy to get into addiction. And like I said, I've known people who have been raised by addicts and things like that, alcoholics, different things, and they tend to be maybe not as bad, or sometimes I've seen them go even worse, but they tend to have a huge draw to using substances of some sort to feel better now what do you do you address ways to kind of um in the storyline to avoid getting into that trap
1: i you'll see georgette and i think i think a lot of us take the addiction aside i think a lot of us are growing as we grow up we we go through periods where we want nothing we want to be nothing like our parents. We're like, oh God, no, oh God, <laughs> right. and then you start seeing little glimmers as as you age. Like, oh, that's that's like my dad. Oh, that's like my mom. And some some of it's good, some of it's bad, you know. And some of it you're pleased with, and some of it you're like,
0: oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: And Georgette definitely goes through that, and she she sees. She sees a, a pattern of things, and she'll even then she sees a, a bit of her dad and she, all these things. Um, and she, you'll definitely see that at the you know, she's gonna come out. It might not be the ending, I think. Well, I, I shouldn't speak too much, but yeah, hmm. but I think sometimes people, you know. They want a certain story, a giant, big, happy ending. I definitely believe when I write, like, I think there needs to be some closure unless there's going to be a sequel. Right. Um, but you're, you'll definitely see a little bit of touching on that she's maybe doing a little bit of what it takes to
0: heal. All right. So and then now, like you mentioned, sequels are continuing on. Is this going to be a standalone where there's no other stories coming after or prequels of it? Is there another series to it, addition, or is this going to be by itself?
1: Someone said that to me. They'd like to see a, a, se- a sequel, and I'm like, oh god, real? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm telling you, I um, I don't, I don't know that my, I, as, as I said, this book was very, very emotional for me. Very, it was, it was difficult, and um, I, I can, I can do it, but it's, I, I don't, I think it's a standalone for now. I'm, I'm well into. Another book that I wasn't intending on writing, I had another book I was writing and then something happened in our um in our lives me and my husband it uh, kind of we, we something uh, uh, another dark kind of story happened not really touching us massively directly well me I should say but um and I this story was just fascinating to me and I've been listening to trials and I've been doing and I, I'm like i have to I have to write this story from a from the perspective of that me, most people don't. I'm sorry, I'm kind of teasing you here. <laughs> okay, so fine. I'm well into this book and I definitely need to see it through. So I don't know if I'll ever go back with the the, the silence and the sound or what I'll what I'll do with that. Maybe someday, you never know. I
0: understand. So what your next book, do you have a estimation of when it's going to be coming out or do you have a timeline you're trying to hit with this? I
1: definitely I think because it's not so personal to me, I, I, I find I'm finding it easier to write and I'm getting it from a lot of factual things and different. So I'm finding it easier to write. I'm not so emotionally attached to it. So, um, but I I really, I'm a faster writer now, but I, with all the marketing you do for a book, which I'm currently just drowning (laughs) in, happily, um, but it's, I haven't had any time to write at all. Um. Sorry, my husband's radio is going off. He's a <laughs> fireman. He's an on-call fireman, and I should have turned that down. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I don't I I'm hoping for a year.
0: Okay, so people have a have something to look forward to to keep reading about you because I know, like I said, the reviews in your your first book in the silence in the sound is all wonderful, great little reviews that people put on there that makes the book sound like it's almost a must read in a way so i found that very interesting you usually see because you have i think 25 29 reviews on that book right now and no one has a bad thing to say which is fantastic so i do appreciate you being on i don't want to take up overly too much of your time so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna Remind everyone that there is a profile of you on authorblurb.com where all your links, the information you've given me is there for them to find you. So where do you prefer people to go and find you if they don't want to go to authorblurb.com?
1: You can find me on my website, um dot com or Twitter See Diane Braley, um, Instagram, Diane C. Braley, Facebook, Diane C. Braley, LinkedIn. I mean,
0: God, everywhere.
1: Diane C. Braley, Diane C. Braley. And sign up on my newsletter on my website, please.
0: (laughs) Well, it's always good. That way people can keep track of you if they do the newsletter, just like I tell people, or at least I try to remind them to sign up for the newsletter for this show. So, again, I appreciate you being on. This is going to be the end of the conversation for everybody else. But if you can hold Thank on. Thank you, me. Eric.